welcome to the worship service this afternoon. It's a great blessing that we can be here again to join together in worship of our Trojan God. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to his praise. Sister has the following announcements this afternoon. Sister Brittany Tenhalf has requested an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of Mount Nashura. We wish her the Lord's blessing in her new congregation and with her upcoming wedding this week Friday at 1pm in Mount Nashura. This afternoon the worship service will be led by Reverend Den Boer from our sister church in Darling Downs. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing together from hymn 81, the verses 4 and 7. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Please rise for worship. Our call to worship this afternoon comes from Psalm 81, verse 1 to 3. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. We confess our dependence on the Lord with the words of Psalm 124. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Receive God's greeting. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. Let's now lift up our voices in praise and we'll sing together from... Psalm 65, we'll sing verse 1, 5, and 6. We'll praise our God who provides our daily bread by sending rain and showing his favor to the earth, enriching the land and blessing the harvest. We'll praise God with the words of Psalm 65, verse 1, 5, and 6.
This afternoon we have the privilege of professing our faith with the church of all times and all places and let's do that this afternoon by singing from hymn one. draw near to God in prayer. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and praise because you've made this world and you sustain it. We acknowledge your power. We see it in the wind, in the waves of the ocean. We acknowledge your wisdom in the intricate design of your creatures. How many are your works, Father, and in wisdom, you have made them all. We acknowledge your providence, that you continue to provide for each of your creatures. You send rain to water the earth, even the birds eat from your hand. Indeed, all praise to you belongs. And we praise you, Father, for the power of your word by which you have spoken this world into existence, that you continue to uphold this world by your powerful word, We praise you for your spirit who hovered over the waters at creation and who continues to work new life today. We pray this afternoon that you will be with us with your word and spirit. We thank you that we can gather to worship you and to learn the great truths of your word. And we pray that your powerful word this afternoon will speak to us. Your word with which you spoke this world into existence. Speak to us and create new life in us. And we pray that you would breathe this new life in us through your spirit who hovered over the waters as you created this world. And may we be encouraged to look to you as our fatherly provider for all of our daily needs. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this afternoon comes from two parts of God's word from Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew chapter 6, so I invite you to take your Bibles and to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This afternoon we'll be looking at the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. And in connection with that, I would like to read with you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And in this book of Deuteronomy, Moses is giving a series of speeches to the Israelites just before they enter into the promised land. They've gone through the wilderness for 40 years and 
they're almost at the point of entering the promised land. And just as they do so, Moses encourages them to hold on to God's word and to remember all the things that God has taught them as they came out of Egypt. And so we'll read this afternoon from Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and worship them and serve them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And let's also turn ahead to the New Testament, to the Gospel according to Matthew, and we'll read from Matthew 6, verse 24 to 34. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the big things that the Lord Jesus was teaching was that he wants us to serve him with our entire heart. He doesn't want us to just serve him outwardly, but from the heart. And one of the implications for that is that we can also trust in him. That's the lesson that he teaches in our section. We'll read Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's now sing in preparation to hear from God's word from Psalm 104, we'll sing verse 4 and 7. In this psalm, we acknowledge God's care for his creation so that all creatures look to our Heavenly Father for their daily bread. We'll sing verse 4 and 7 of Psalm 104. Our catechism lesson this afternoon is from Lord's Day 50, 
You can find that in the book of praise on page 562. Let's read that together. Lord's Day 50, what is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread, that is, provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor, and also your gifts, cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Well, dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the fourth petition there is a shift in direction in the Lord's Prayer. The first three petitions have all been focused on God, God's name, his kingdom, his will. And we've seen that in each of these petitions, God, we ask God to shape our hearts to be dedicated to him. And then the fourth petition has a more earthly Focus. It looks downward to our daily need and asks God to provide for these. Give us today our daily bread. And so the Lord teaches us in the fourth petition that our Heavenly Father wants to provide for our daily needs. He also cares about the practical things of our daily life. And yet this request for daily bread sometimes has a strange ring in our modern ears, doesn't it? Most of us have enough food for today, tomorrow, and at least a week to come. We have a, a readily available bank card. I expect that many of you have a stable job. And we've got the security of Woolies just down the road. Why would we ask for daily bread? We know we're going to get it anyway. We don't live hand to mouth. Tomorrow's food is already in the pantry. We live with assurance and confidence that we are able to provide our daily bread ourselves. So why does Christ teach us to ask for our daily bread? That's the question that we're going to consider this afternoon. And we'll look at this question through the lens of the Catechism, Lord's Day 50, focusing especially on God's word in Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew 6. And this afternoon I've summarized the message this way, that Christ teaches us to pray for our daily bread so that we acknowledge our fatherly provider, and we trust in our fatherly provider. Well, in the Bible, the word bread is a broad term which refers to food in general. If you're familiar with the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, perhaps you remember when Naomi and her family went down to the land of Moab when there was a, a famine in Israel, and there Naomi lost her husband and her sons. But after that, she heard that the Lord had visited his people back in Israel with bread. In other words, God had brought the famine to an end. He sent rain again so that the crops could grow, barley and wheat for bread, fruit trees for fruit, olive trees for olive oil, bread, a general term referring to the food that God supplies. And we also understand bread in this broader sense. We speak of Ukraine as the breadbasket of Europe. It's an area of natural productivity for all sorts of crops. And so the Catechism rightly understands the meaning of the fourth petition as praying for all of our bodily needs, food, water, clothing, shelter, all the things we need to live or to do the tasks which God has given us. And why do we ask God for these things? The Catechism, this gives us this reason so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good. We pray to acknowledge God's goodness and our reliance on his blessing, credit where credit is due. You know, we like to give ourselves credit for putting bread on the table, 
But Christ teaches us to give God the credit. After all, he is the one who gives rain to fill our water tanks, to grow the crops for our food. God is the one who gives employment that enables us to buy food. He gives us health and energy to do our tasks. Every breath we breathe comes in dependence on him. So credit where credit is due. Even with plenty of food, our Father is still the one who provides our daily bread. And Christ teaches us to acknowledge this. This was a lesson that Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, taught the Israelites just as they were entering the promised land. As I mentioned, the book of Deuteronomy is a a series of speeches that Moses gave to the Israelites just as their wilderness years ended and as they stood on the cusp of the promised land. And in chapter 8, which we read from, Moses urged them, once they were established in their new homeland, to remember the Lord their God. In other words, to continue to acknowledge him. This was a huge change for the people of Israel. No longer would they rely on the manna that God had sent them from the sky, but they would build civilization. They would live in cities. They would trade food. They would build barns to store their wheat. They would begin to prosper and have more than enough. In Deuteronomy 8, Moses looks back and he he recounts those wilderness years as a test that the Lord had given to his people. If you turn there with me, we'll flick through the chapter somewhat. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, the Lord led you the whole way these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. God tested them by allowing them to be hungry. But then he didn't just leave them hungry, he supplied their need with the daily provision of manna, bread which came from the sky and gave them just enough for every day. You Think about how manna was a test for Israel. They couldn't store it in their fridges. They couldn't use it to save up for retirement. They only gathered enough for one day at a time, or if it was Friday for Friday and Saturday, the Sabbath. They couldn't store for the future. They simply had to trust that the Lord would feed them again every new day. And in a way, it was easy for them to acknowledge that their daily bread came from the Lord when they were in the desert. And Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that, the Lord was teaching them to rely upon his word. Verse 3, God fed them with manna, with manna that you may know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, God told them that he would feed them. He told them that he would nourish them, that he would bring them to Canaan, that he would fulfill his promises to them, his promises that he had made way back to Abraham. God would keep his word. And the manna was a daily reminder that God was faithful to his word, just as it was a daily test that they would continue to trust his word. Well, that was the lesson of of manna. And now as they were entering the promised land, God wanted them to remember that lesson. Verse 2 begins with that word, remember. And that word is also repeated in verse 18. You can say this whole chapter is framed by the call to remember. It's also accompanied with three calls to not forget. Verse 10, verse 14, and 19. Now as they looked forward to a time of prosperity, God wanted them to remember what he had taught them in the desert, that his word is reliable and he would continue to provide for his people every day. Because just as God was bringing them to a good land, his people remained dependent on him. You know, it was going to be a a good land. In verse 7 to 9, it describes the, the richness of this promised land. Good water supplies, you know, that would have held great appeal after the last 40 years in the desert. A variety of crops, verse 9, they would eat bread without scarcity and lack nothing. They would even be rich in natural resources, in iron and copper. 
This was a land of abundant opportunity. But along with these opportunities would also come the danger of pride, the danger of attributing success to themselves, the danger of not acknowledging and remembering God. And Moses lays that out in verse 11 to 17. He says, when you've become successful, when your business is well established, when you've paid off your house, or when you've secured a great deal with the bank, when you've built your nice houses and live in them, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget to follow his ways. Don't forget that all of this is a gift from him who is the fountain of all goodness. Don't forget to acknowledge him. The temptation was for them to say in their heart, verse 17, it was my power, the might of my hand who, that has gained me this wealth. It was tempting for them to, to look at their olive groves and say, well, this was my hard work over decades to establish those olive trees. Meanwhile, forgetting that all the crucial ingredients came from God, rain, sunshine, nutrients in the soil. It was tempting for them to look at their bank balance and say, it was my financial planning. It was tempting for them to look at their university degrees and say, it was my intelligence and hard work. You see, we often face this same temptation, don't we? To attribute success to ourselves rather than acknowledging God who has given us everything. And brothers and sisters, when we don't acknowledge God, when we instead say in our heart that it was our achievement, we actually cast a shadow on God's goodness. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, James 1. He is the one who has given rain and fruitful season to everyone, including those who believe and those who don't believe, says Paul in Acts 14. He is the one who gives to mankind life and breath and everything, Acts 17. We remain 100% dependent on God. But if we say that these things come from ourselves, that we should receive credit for them, it's like slapping God in the face because all we have comes from him. We must give credit where credit is due. And so that's why the Lord teaches us to remember God, our gracious giver, by asking him every day again for our daily bread. We acknowledge that we rely on his blessing for our work, that we rely on the rain and sunshine he provides for crops to grow, and we acknowledge that he gives to us out of his goodness. We acknowledge him to be the only fountain of all good. And so we pray, Father, please continue to give me all that I need every day to serve you. I acknowledge you to be the one who gives me food and clothing and shelter. I acknowledge that I rely every day on your blessing. Please bless my work so that in this way you can provide food through my income. I acknowledge you as the only fountain of all good. And just as we ask God for daily provision, we can also thank him for supplying it. Deuteronomy 8 verse 10 says that when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. They were to acknowledge God's provision. And that's good for us too. God has blessed many of us in many ways. We ask God to provide for our daily needs. We can also thank him for providing for them. We acknowledge God as the giver also by thanking him. Last week it was Thanksgiving Sunday when we actively reflected on exactly that, on the goodness of the Lord. And we spent a Sunday thanking him for the harvest. We thanked God for crowning the year with gifts to cheer the land, Psalm 65. We thanked God for the harvest, for the work that he provides and for the ways that he daily provides in giving us food and clothing. Well, that's the first part of our message this afternoon, that we pray the third petition to acknowledge our fatherly provider. And we also ask God for our daily bread so that we will trust him.
because even though many of us have food for a, a good while, even though we have no concern that we will get our daily bread, yet we can still be anxious about our daily needs. Food prices are going up. It's a concern, is it not? Or think back a couple of years to the early days of the lockdowns, the long lines at the grocery stores, the empty shelves and the panic buying. It really revealed the condition of our society. The food that we have stored in our fridges and freezers is really just a thin veneer over our anxious hearts. Don't we often worry about our daily needs, food and clothing? Or perhaps other resources, time, energy, or mental capacity? Maybe you worry that you'll have enough time to get through your big list of things in the next week. Maybe you are concerned that you don't have enough energy or that you're not getting enough sleep. Or perhaps you're concerned about the daily needs of your children. Well, the Lord Jesus, our great teacher, he understands the anxiety of our hearts. And he understands that we so often do worry about the daily things. And so he teaches us to pray for our daily needs so that our gaze is lifted up. So that instead of just seeing only our need, we also see the one who provides that need. We don't only look to our insufficient resources, but to the God who richly provides. We don't focus on our limited supplies, but on his limitless provision. And so Christ teaches us to ask this God, our Heavenly Father, so that we grow in our trust of him. That's also what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. We read from that section where Jesus says, don't worry about your life, about the daily needs of food and clothing. And if you turn there with me, we'll spend some time going through this passage as well. Matthew chapter 6, in verse 25, just as Jesus begins this section on teaching about anxiety and worry... He begins with the word, therefore. That gives us a clue that he connects with this to what he has previously said. Because Christ has just been teaching that we are to give God our entire hearts. Rather than storing treasures on earth, which are passing by quickly, store up treasures in heaven. You can't serve two masters, either God or mammon, either God or your own storehouses of food, either God or your bank account. You see, if our hearts are, are set on earthly things, and it's only natural that we will worry far more about them. If our heart is set on establishing our career, we'll constantly worry about the right steps to take, the right people to network with. If we're storing up treasures on earth, houses or whatever material things we have, it's only natural that these things will occupy all of our hearts and minds that we will worry all the time about these things. But if, on the other hand, our hearts are set on God, then we will look to him for these things, and we will know that we can rely on him. We don't need to worry because we pray to a faithful Heavenly Father. We will come to him simply and ask him for our daily bread. And so you see that the Lord's teaching on trust, it flows out of his teaching on the priorities of our hearts. Store treasures in heaven and serve God as your master. Therefore, you don't need to worry about earthly things. And that also matches the order of the Lord's prayer. I noted at the beginning of this sermon that in the first three petitions, we ask God to shape the priorities of our hearts to be God-focused so that we build treasures in heaven. And it's good to remember that this request for daily needs is the fourth petition that flows out of the first three. And so we pray to God for our daily needs, having already prayed that he will be number one in our lives and that we would give to him our entire hearts. Therefore, I tell you, says Jesus do not worry about earthly things. And then he's in his compassion for us. Our Lord gives some beautiful encouragement from the book of creation. 
He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're prone to worry about day-to-day things. And so he directs our gaze to the birds and the lilies to learn from the way our Heavenly Father provides for them. Think of the kookaburras and the galahs as they sing their evening song. They sing of God's faithfulness to all who care to listen. They proclaim the wonderful truth about the open hand of the Lord who gives them food in season. As they live every day in dependence on our Father, they continually remind us, as it were, they preach to us and say, your heavenly Father feeds us. He looks after us birds and don't you know how much more valuable you are as his children? We're well fed up here in the branches. We can sing with joy because we know that your father feeds us. Your father allows the gum trees to grow so that we can make our home among them. What a wonderful provider your father is. That's the message the birds sing for all who care to stop and listen. Dear people of God, this is your faithful father whom you pray to. Just as he takes care of the birds throughout the season, so he will care for all of your needs. He will continue to supply your daily bread. I remember a couple of years ago, I visited an elderly couple. And one of the things the lady said to me was this. She said, as we look back on on our lives, we really had no reason to worry as much as we did. We often worried about how certain things would turn out. But in the end, God was always good. He always provided. Isn't that true? I can find myself in that quote. And I'm sure that many of you can as well. We often worry about things needlessly. And so we keep praying this petition. Give us today our daily bread, relying every day on our God to supply what we need. Heavenly Father, may I not trust in any creature in any of my possessions, but only in you. I believe that you will take care of my every need. You will give me daily bread. Well, we've seen that Christ teaches us to pray for our Father's provision, to trust in our Heavenly Father. And this was also true in the way that he himself lived in his earthly life. He fully trusted in his Father's provision. You may recall when Jesus was in the desert, when he was tempted by the desert. You know, he'd been fasting for an extended period of time with no bread. This to him was a test, just as the Israelites had been tested for 40 years. Jesus was tested for 40 days. And in the wilderness, Jesus needed to rely on his father's provision, even as he fasted and was hungry. In fact, the devil targeted him in that area specifically. If you are the son of God, he said, turn these stones into bread. If you really have power and authority, turn these stones into bread. You're hungry, aren't you? You see, the temptation here was that Jesus would not rely on his father, that he would not trust God to provide for his needs. And what did Jesus say? Well, he quoted from Deuteronomy 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He proved that he actually was the Son of God. He relied perfectly on his Father. Just as he taught his disciples about the Father's provision, Jesus himself fully demonstrated a life of trust in his Father. He trusted his Father to provide his daily needs. And he calls us to follow him. He calls us to trust our Father and to acknowledge Him as the one who supplies our daily bread. And so, dear brothers and sisters, even with Woolies just down the road and a healthy balance in our bank accounts, we've seen that we still need to pray the fourth petition. God, our Father, is the one who still provides for our daily bread, even in our prosperity. Indeed, his provision to us, it shows that he is the fountain of all goodness. Let's continue to acknowledge him by continuing to ask him for our daily bread, credit, where credit is due. 
And we've also seen the need to trust God to supply our daily needs, to look to Him as our faithful Heavenly Father. He opens His rich storehouses for the birds, and we know that He will care for us. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. Amen. Let's now respond and praise the Lord for His provision for us. He is our preserver. We can celebrate with feasting before him and put our trust in him because he is the one who richly feeds us. We'll sing Psalm 81, verse 1, 3, 9, and 14. Let's come to God in a prayer of thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the only fountain of all good. We acknowledge that you daily provide our needs. You give to us food and clothing and shelter. We acknowledge that every day we rely on your blessing. Please continue to give us all that we need to serve you. We ask that you would bless our work also in this week so that in this way you can provide food for us through our income. And we thank you for the many ways that you've provided also in this past week. That as we look back, we have every reason to trust you in the future. And so we ask that you would help us to withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Help us to remember that you value us as your dear children and to trust that you will care for us, even as you care for the birds. Father, we ask for your blessing over us as a federation of churches. We thank you for the blessing that it is to, to serve you together and for the ways that we can benefit from the other churches in our midst. We pray that you would keep us faithful to your word. We also pray, Father, that through 
our federation of churches, we will continue to reach many people who do not know you, many people who don't have hope in this world. We pray that you would keep us faithful and that we would be fruitful as churches. We also pray, Father, that you would provide for your people around this world, especially those who are in difficult situations. We pray, Father, for those who are in Turkey and Syria after the earthquakes that have left so many devastated. And we pray, Father, that you would bless the relief efforts. And we pray also that you would bless the churches who were there, that through the churches you can provide hope to many people, hope of a glorious future with you. We also pray, Father, for the Ukraine and the war that's happening there. We pray that you would bring an end to that war. We also pray, Father, for churches in Ukraine, that they would hold on to your word. They must be very discouraged right now, and so we pray that you would uphold them, that you would uphold all those who bring leadership. We also pray for the aid organizations who, who bring aid in to all the war-torn areas. And we pray, Father, that your word can continue to spread even amid all the devastation. We pray that you would bless each of us in this week and that all we do, we would look to you as our provider. We pray that you would bless our work, our study, and we also pray for a blessing over university students as they go back to university in the next couple of weeks, that you would keep them faithful to your word, that you would hold on to them, and we pray that you would also use them to declare your truth in the public square. We pray that you would go with us even as we go from here this afternoon and that you would hear this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You now have the opportunity to give your thanksgiving offerings for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. And after that, we will stand and sing together from hymn 65 in which we acknowledge our dependence and trust in our Heavenly Father, we'll sing all four verses of sing Hymn 65 after the collection.
receive God's blessing and go on, go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.